Well, hello, 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 everybody. It is time for the Outpouring Fellowship podcast. We've got a... It might turn into a series, we'll see. But do's and don'ts. What's okay in Ecclesia? Hmm. Here on... Yep. Here, here in the place for Jesus lovers who question the church. Um, so, how you doing, Caleb? I'm doing well, man. How about you? Shalom, <laughs> shalom, everyone. Um, this is good. This is a great uh, thing that we're uh, that we wanted to do because again, um, it's all about discussing topics that maybe some pe- some churches uh, talk about, maybe some don't e- don't even uh, address. So as part of as part of understanding what ecclesia is, we need to understand these topics that Paul would address that addressed to uh, ecclesias all all over the world, and especially what, uh, in this case to uh, the city of Corinth in Greece. So it's important that we just address these things to really try to do what we can to understand the background of what was re- what was going on that Paul needed to address things and even give a message from the Lord saying, "Hey, the." Lord said this that you need to do this. So we're going to talk about. It's going to be interesting again. That and then again, um, before we even came on, we pray that you know that when we're here and we're talking, that the Holy Spirit is also speaking through us. Because as humans, we tend to have have um, the the have uh, the right intentions, but and the, but again, uh, we tend to mess things up. So again, we just uh, we hope that whatever whoever's listening that is impacted because the Holy Spirit's doing the uh, doing the work. We're just being. Uh, the useful vessels. It's going to be great. It's going to be great discussion either way. Uh, shall we do the uh, introductions first? Yes, we should. Good idea. All right. So, as always, you can fo- you can watch us anytime on Rumble. You can catch some shorts related to the podcast on YouTube. Um, let's see. What is it? the Outpouring Fellowship like I see on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just search <laughs> yep. all that and you'll probably find the channel um, or you can listen on any <sighs> fine podcast app or you could even le- you could even listen to us on our website outpouringecclesia.org um, if you want to talk just to me you can you can hit me up on telegram uh, at matthew 76 you can talk to either of us on True Social, um, True Social slash at Outpouring Ecclesia. And you, if you want to just talk to Caleb, you can find him on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Caleb Meal. Or you can email us. I know, I know who emails anymore. I <laughs> get ribbed enough by a by my other co-host <laughs> when I tell people to email me. Uh, but Matthew at outpouringecclesia.org or Caleb at outpouringecclesia.org. And by the way, while you're on our site, if you choose to f- fill out the... Um, yeah, sure, that. Um, <laughs> brain may not be all there yet. Um <laughs> It's all good. Anyway, um, while you're on the site, if you fill in our contact form, I promise we won't abuse it. You're not going to be on some mailing list. It's just so that we 
kind of have a beat on who visited. And if there's a conversation that needs to be had, we'll have it. It's that simple. Absolutely. Um, and as always, the music in the background is Indie Folk Background by Carol Productions. All right. All right. Well, hey, everybody. So the do's and don'ts. Yep, the do's and don'ts <laughs> of Ecclesia. So let's start off in 1 Corinthians 10. You guys may be familiar with this passage right at the end of 1 Corinthians 10. Um, so all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Do not seek your own advantage, but that of the other. Eat whatever is in is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the grounds on the ground of conscience. For the earth and its fullness are the Lord's. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it out of consideration for the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I mean, the other's conscience, not your own. For why should my liberty be subject to the judgment of someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why should I be denounced because of that for which I give, I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, so that they may be saved. So that was 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to the end, which is 33. Yeah, so, uh, so what is Paul trying to really get at? Well, we kind of see that, you know, all things, like I said, at the very beginning, kind of really is the topic line here. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Um, let's really think about that. All things are lawful. So we know that whatever, when he says that all things are lawful, he's, t he's putting in the context of uh, the Torah. And, and if you guys are still a little familiar with uh, um Hebrew language and all that, the Torah are the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the five books, uh, the beginning of the scriptures, the, the Torah, okay? That the Lord inspired Moses, Moses, to write these five books. Now, from whether they were also had their own stories back then, just records of the history of what uh, from starting beginning from Adam to Noah from Abraham. We, I mean, we we're not aware. We don't know. But I, I, but again, they probably, probably had some record, but also inspiration by God to write to record these stories that God wanted that God wanted him to write and to give to the people of Israel. And then everything else. All the other stories, the hit, you could say historical records, Joshua, Judge, and all that were continually added. But in the context of this, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. So what does he mean? 
Matt, would you, would you want to uh, add to that? What does it mean that all things are not, are not helpful? Well, this is basically this little bit is saying, hey, where all where the Judaizers, where other Messianic Christians have probably come along and tried to tell you that you can't taste, you can't touch, you can't look at certain things. I say otherwise. Paul, Paul was pretty, pretty antinomian. He, he was, when he, especially when he was dealing with Gentile believers and primarily Gentile believers, he's like, look, all Torah doesn't really matter for you. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow kosher laws. None of this. I don't want to burden you. Was the the core of what Paul was saying to these churches, whether Corinth, Galatia, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, you know, fill in the blank. Most of the New Testament, right? So. While everything may be okay, not everything will be, not everything advances you or somebody else in terms of your walk with God, in terms of their walk with God. After all, if we offend somebody's conscience by, say, and, you know, in this passage, it's talking about eating meat and specifically if you know that that meat was offered to an idol. What does that mean in our context, though? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like we have temples to... Deities. Though, you could argue. Though, yeah, you could. You could. You should definitely argue. You can. You definitely could. You definitely could. Uh, but it's not like back then where, you know, where you... It was a thing that you, that you, that you were, you know, called... To go, I mean, in the sense of, uh, uh, especially when we, in our American context, we don't we don't have that, and probably majority that we have, we do have other definitely other religions, but we started out as a Christian. We started out a Christian nation, but again, all these other things added. But again, we don't go. There's not this culture where you know everyone goes to these pagan god temples. Uh, you know, uh, offering these sacrifices out in the open. It, it's a di- it was a different mindset. Uh, back then than it is uh, today though there are other details out there that we're not going to get into but um still well um it maybe, was, it was maybe a different we should mind. mention some of it you know well like okay all right Planned so Parenthood. let's plan parenthood yeah no no, no. absolutely absolutely shots That's, fired i was talking more like uh like along the lines of people maybe uh were i mean we we, we admit that you know the satanic uh, the Satan, the Satanists, the witchcraft, and all that—the stuff that they do is gruesome, um, and, th- and that they get involved with, especially when it comes to sacrifices, whether the, the animal sacrifices or even human sacrifices. So, um, it, I, I guess I just didn't want to go into that detail as of yet, because, but we're not shying away from that. That is around, um, but it's—it is, you could argue that too, um, of that of that mindset. But um, but uh, anyway. Or you kind of going through it for I mean, you could, move forward. You could even argue on a, you know, sort of lower level, 
that someone who puts their career before their family is sacrificing Absolutely. their family Absolutely. to mammon. Uh-oh. Absolutely. It's all about priorities, guys. It's all about priorities. Right. It's all about making sure that your heart is in the right place. Yes. Uh, the enemy used what was then, back then, in just in this context of Corinth. And now, kind of when you know, as societies um, evolve, in 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 in, in, um, in lack of better words, uh, but uh, now Satan has to use a different strategy, but the same method. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this case, in our culture, in American culture, I'm sure it's others, but I, I can only speak from my own, uh, our own. Uh, that uh, when it comes to business, yes, we tend to put our business, our careers anything above both our families but especially before our god before god because we forget who gave you that business who gave you that idea who gave you that job to bring food again so it's again the mindset uh you know of who gave you all these so give thanks to the one because again he could have not allowed you to have that business he could allow you to be in a different situation so give thanks no, no matter what it, it, kind of like with that what we were just reading you know, give thanks. Whatever, whatever you do, give glory to the Father. Mm-hmm. So, and that's so. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that's that's what we are to do. We are to prioritize others. We're to act in love. That's the that's the crux of the rest of that passage, right? Right. Not seeking your own advantage, but that of another. That's love. So. If that's love, and in the and in the context Paul's talking here, he's talking about table fellowship. He's talking about eating together. In America, we don't really have a huge priority on that. That's something that in Ecclesia we do prioritize. It's kind of countercultural that way. Yeah, honestly, back then, in the it, I, I I look back in. Um you know in church history especially in the 50s and 60s have the service what would they do your sunday luncheon together and there's some that still do that They're, um but again it's it's just not really or you just go out to eat and um, and i got my own views on that but anyway uh but again they would gather they would go you know either in the in the church or outside bring your picnics potlucks you know let's have let's have fellowship together that's that's the kind of mindset uh we we they had back then uh, that was that was a real priority, you know. Continue being in fellowship. Talk to each other. What is going on in your life? What you know? What good things, including bad things. So um, not that that was yeah. perfect. No, not that that was no, perfect no. back then. Because no, just no, as, no, no. I mean, just as much as now. I mean, I can give anecdotes from my own family from my own family on that one. Um, my my grandfather was a workaholic and a vodkaholic. And mm. yet was on the elder board at the church mm. and was abusive to yeah. my aunts and uncle. This was before my mom was born. Um, and that's a lot of why one of my aunts wants nothing to do with God, wants mm. nothing to do with the church because, right. because... they're hypocrites. Right. And they didn't help me. 
this is her speaking. So, yeah, she's been, as far as I know, involved with Buddhism and all sorts of stuff up in the Bay Area, which, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, but again, that's a perfect that's a perfect example of um, how it's so important that we that we walk in this the, 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 this lifestyle. The, well, not lifestyle, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but this relationship with Jesus needs to be real and not religious. And we 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 can fall into that trap so easily, so easily. And I'm talking to myself too. I've definitely had my uh, zealous moments. Uh, that's my parents. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I had to learn from that. And I'm like, okay, all right. And maybe I need it. Maybe I need to chill out a bit. Um, but, uh, with, with, um, that, that story of how, you know, now your, your aunt is, was, uh, hurt by the hypocrisy. It was like t- what Paul was addressing to the people that, you know, don't go out really. And if someone serves you something, don't go out willing to, you know, to offend them. You know, really try to discern here, really try to show, the, the the love right here because again what you try to teach them they're not gonna tr- maybe not understand right away you know uh you, so it's all just the relational part how can we show jesus and again this is always the sermon you always ask the father okay what do i need to do how do i how do i play this out and that's always important but again you just don't we don't we the whole point of our ministry is not to be going out willing to offend people and the- knowing when to speak and when not to uh, the crux of it is relationship. It's love. And when relationship gets broken because you, well, went snow, went snowflake. <laughs> because you got offended. <laughs> oh, I love that term. <laughs> I mean, you guys... For real, though, like in all yeah. seriousness, in all seriousness, um, and you know when you're dealing with somebody who who's chronically offended because you see it because they won't mm-hmm. they they don't let you exist around them without knowing, right? So if your Christian friend who, I don't know, let's keep it in the context of eating, right? Who Mm -hmm. has made the conscious choice to become a vegan. You're, you're out to lunch with them, out to dinner with them, have them over at your place, whatever. Don't be snide. Don't be, don't be a jerk about eating meat. Like uh, a friend of mine had a situation where his wife had a had a good friend over who was who was vegan. He's very much not vegan, okay. And we we had this long conversation, actually based on this passage. when the friend was over for about a week and i'm like look man it's yes you're free but if your freedom hurts somebody else is it worth exercising 
And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Hmm. That's the bottom line. If what I'm doing is going to hurt somebody else, should I be doing it? Right. And here's an example for me as well um, when it comes to the food. Because uh, uh, in my beliefs, I truly believe that you know the, the clean foods and the unclean, they're, they, they're all for us in the sense. Here, this is just my belief. But here's the thing. Again, that's, this is one of the examples I was getting a little zealous about. Um, that uh, uh, I was in Ecuador and, and uh, with with my mission team for my actually practicum class, and the people that invited us into their home, that one of the foods that they love the the, the animals they love, they love to cook is guinea pig. And for one thing, it's a mindset it's like, no, guinea pigs are for pets in America, not food. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, they serve that, and and of course, it's a guinea pig. It's a rodent. It's it's un- it's considered unclean in the scriptures. And I'm just like, oh man. So this is what I'm going through. I'm like, I really should should I be eating this and all that. But it, basically, if you don't eat that, you are offending them because they took the time to make that for mm-hmm. you. So this is what the Lord was trying to teach me. Eat it. Give thanks and eat it. And he reminded me of the scriptures. It was this is exactly what Paul was trying to address to the people. You whatever they serve you, don't be complaining about it. Pray about pray over it, bless it, and eat it. Now, here's the thing. If they serve you, if they serve you guinea pig, but they also also served um chicken, what am I gonna choose? Eat the chicken. I'll choose exactly. Eat the chicken. So exactly. So it's all, you know, it's just common sense and discernment, you know, and just showing that relation. So I had to learn, I was learning that. But yeah, I mean, it, and usually it's simple stuff like that, guys. It's not this giant ethical dilemma, or at least it shouldn't be. And, you know, with eating, I mean, given most of the time this is not going to be an issue but the principle of make sure that what you're doing isn't going to cause somebody else to stumble right like perhaps perhaps you don't have an issue with lust i don't know anybody in our culture who doesn't but you know it could happen it could happen um say you don't have an issue with lust and you're just a sensual person there's nothing inherently wrong with that but if you know that one of that one or more of your community members one or more of your congregation members one of your one of your brothers or more of your or more than one of your brothers in ecclesia do have issues with those things you need to tone it down when you're around them so that you don't cause them to stumble And, you know, that segues nicely into the next section, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Yep. Um, Where Paul talks about sexual sexual immorality in the church. And this is a completely scandalous turn of events. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Chapter 5, I mean, I'll I'll read the whole thing because it's fairly short. Like... It's actually reported 
that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind not even found among the pagans. And it's like, what were they doing? For, <laughs> for a man is living with his father's wife and you're arrogant should you not rather have mourned so that he who has done this would have been removed from among you for though absent in body I am present in spirit and as if present I have already pronounced judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the man who has done such a thing so what's he ta- what's what's he talking about that there he's talking about someone basically uh shacking up with his stepmom this is not a this is not his biological mother but doesn't matter, don't doesn't matter. Do that. you don't do that you don't do that um but this dude was and the corinthian like there was such freedom in Corinth and remember Corinth was known as being a very licentious place like you <laughs> it basically if you wanted to do something off color it was called the uh it was Corinthianizing yes it was a word so it was known as being a place of just rank nastiness before Jesus, obviously. So, and a lot of the a lot of the women who became Christians had been shrine prostitutes, had been. Um, priestesses and that's why in other places paul's like women should be quiet in the church Mm. okay that because they had been so used to dominating because they had been priestesses of say artemis that's a good point right that's an interesting point so always with these letters you have to consider the the historical context you can't just go, oh, well, Paul said women shouldn't lead. He was being very specific in Timothy. Timothy was dealing with the Corinthians. Interesting. Yeah. Paul had left Timothy to pastor them, to pastor those ecclesias. And it wasn't the, and remember, guys, especially in the first century, it was almost never a huge gathering. There were multiple ecclesia within the bounds of a city, usually. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a modern church where you're looking at a hundred or 200 or a thousand people in a given meeting. It was five or 10 Mm -hmm. at a time because that's what would fit in people's houses. Yep. There weren't separate buildings. Not, not for the first two or three centuries anyway so be like keep that context in mind and that's what that's part of what we're trying to restore here that's the point of the podcast is bringing us back to that intentional smallness 
because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the church system's broken. No. No. And really no. <laughs> I mean, come on. It feels like every other day there's some sort of sexual scandal coming out. Yeah. Whether it be Catholic priests, whether it be, you know, your regular evangelical pastors, they're doing heinous they've been doing heinous things because they have power and they don't and they haven't been reformed by jesus by the holy spirit because in most of these places the holy spirit basically is the holy bible hmm. he has no real presence with them he's he's in a nice neat little box where he he regenerates us. Yeah, shots fired at the Lutherans. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, but that's part of my background. I I grew up partially Lutheran, and and had issues with this even then because the other part was Vineyard, <laughs> which, albeit, is not like hyper Pentecostal, but is charismatic at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would operate in the gifts publicly. We'd pray over each other. Every once in a while, we'd see a healing. You know, and there were there was a time set aside in what basically is vineyard liturgy, for lack of a better way to put it. It's an order of service. You know, we'd do the we'd do the welcome hey everybody welcome you know then we'd go into worship for half an hour 45 minutes then we'd have five five or ten minutes of quiet where we would wait on the lord so that we could heat so we could receive a prophetic word so we could mm -hmm. hear a tongue and an interpretation that sort of thing there was space right and you know, and that's that's kind of where I'm focused. Okay, the the rest of it kind of doesn't really matter. It's not. It's more or less not a nominational standard practice. Anyway, then at the end we would have ministry time, right? Where we'd go up for prayer and we would pray for each other. Mm -hmm. Beautiful stuff. Nothing inherently wrong with it, but when you contrast that with what felt like a very rigid box that was Lutheran liturgy where they would wink and nod the Holy Spirit but he was he basically couldn't come inside the sanctuary every once in a while there was somebody who was sensitive who might mm -hmm. actually invite him but the it was never the leadership. It was it was almost never the elders. It was never the board. At least in my experience. Hopefully that's been shifting. I think it has been, judging by the the Lutheran individuals that I've encountered here at Fuller. Now given they're in a different strain of Lutheran, but if they're starting to get it if they're starting to be open then maybe the other ones are too mm -hmm. 
Anyway, so Ecclesia, it's not church, guys. <laughs> it's not. All of this political nonsense, all of this, oh, well, we don't know if the Holy Spirit's really active anymore. And, and it's the reason that these bodies believe the way that they do goes back to the Reformation. Okay. Luther and Calvin and and Zwingli all decided, even though they had had significant mystical experiences, that the Holy Spirit was no longer charismatically active because they had seen excesses in other strains in the Reformation. And people had gone off the rails. So they're like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to keep this tight. Which, it's understandable. Which, it's understandable because you want order. Mm -hmm. But again, you don't want that order to become dominating and controlling either. There must be order. There must be structure. And Paul but even not says the point. that. Yeah. yeah. Paul even says that. He's like, look, look at... 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. But I'm not saying let's turn there. Yeah, but, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, no, no. I was just looking at it from myself. Um, where Paul's basic... Well, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe no, we should. I got it. I got it. It says um, right here, because um, it's in the context of spiritual gifts and the, and the many members. So I got it right here. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it uh, any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it, it wouldn't is, be a body anymore. Parts, it wouldn't be a body. Or it certainly wouldn't function anyway. So everybody's got a place. Everybody, yes. like, and later on when he talks about the prophetic, he talks about how the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. It's not, it's not this ecstatic thing where this, the spirit just takes, takes control of you. I mean, that can happen, mm -hmm. but do that in the privacy of your own home, not in the midst of Ecclesia. Okay have your wild mystical experiences and sometimes they'll happen in the midst of ecclesia there's nothing wrong with that there's space but again but right i mean you don't want to make it about you you want to make it about him and making and, it about you know and everybody else helping and every, yeah right like that's the that's the that's the core of this thing guys like and that's why first corinthians 13 is all how many times has that been used in, you know, weddings? Not in mine. <laughs> but 
how many times is that has that been used in weddings? Because it talks about love and what love does and what love doesn't do, right? So that's that's the heart of this thing. It's it order is so that everybody feels like they can bring something. It's not just oh the pastor the music minister the you know the pastor has a, a a sermon and the music minister leads us in worship and then we go home no 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 we're all supposed to be bringing a song a, a hymn a spiritual song a passage that the lord's been working on us with during the week we're supposed to be coming full and ready to give not go oh Gimme, 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 gimme. I'm so dry. Like, that's the... That's the experience that I've had, even personally, in the past, in charismatic churches, where it maybe it was a, a rough week. I go to church, I'm empty, and I want to... I'm. I want an upper, okay? And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but that shouldn't be the point of going to church. That shouldn't be the point of fellowshipping with others. The point of fellowshipping with others should be coming, having had a strong week with the Lord, no matter what else was going on in your life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having something to bring to the table, to offer to the community. Right. And also being willing to help those in the community. Maybe they just need someone to talk to. They had a, long, they had a bad week, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month worth. And now they're finally opening up. We're called that. Build each other up and help them and pray over them that, you know, they receive the Father's peace and joy. Because, again, it ain't about us. And always, again, this is talking to us, too. So it's just, it's, um, we're not here. It's not there about us. It's not about feeling good or um, inspired. We want to be inspired, absolutely. But again, it's not always about that because we want to hear all. We always want to hear from the Lord. We want to hear what we need to change and, and reflect. But and we're here to. I, yeah. What is? What's the point of this whole thing? Is it us? Are we the point? Or right. is God the point? Is the mm-hmm. community the point? Mm-hmm. And that's not some super moralistic religious thing for me, okay? When when I ask what's good for the community, it's... Well, number one, you have to know your community. And in larger churches, you often don't. Because it's huge. You don't know how... Yeah, that's why it's so important that you have small... Smaller churches, and, but expanded. You know, they. <laughs> there's been a big move, even within evangelical circles, towards small groups, which is part way to ecclesia, okay. But the the problem that we have with the typical small group model whether you want to call it a a discipleship group or a kinship or a Bible study group or whatever, fill in the blank. It's they, 
it all works, right? The issue is that it's always tied back to this to what's going on with the pastor. Right. Right? So if the pastor's sermon that week was kind of meh. Or maybe he's having a meh series, right? You're limited to where he is. Where in Ecclesia, everybody is expected to be growing. And everybody should be actively working toward not only growing themselves, but helping the other members to grow in the Lord. Right. So, you know, and by the way, what... we're not we're not we're not putting down series, by the way, guys, because, again, those series can do what Matt just said, help you grow and all that and to help you study, well, you know, understanding biblical context and how to apply it even today. They're always important. They're great things. But again, we're, we're, what we're trying to point out is the uh, where to, again, with all this, where who where does it point to? What what is the goal here? Is it to, you know. Uh, on one individual, or are we focusing on the king or and the community? You know, what what is the real heart behind it? That's mm-hmm. that's the point where we're trying to uh uh give here. Absolutely. And you guys it's become so inverted because of seeker sensitivity. I know, buzzword, ain't it? Yeah. Um, so what is seeker sensitive? That's the idea that we need to simplify the message. That we need to, in some cases, water it down in order that someone coming in off the street isn't offended by, say, the message of the cross. Wait a minute. Uh, what? Uh, am I missing something? Am yeah. I missing something? I, yes. I think yes, it's I, think al- I am. I think it's all. I think it's already offensive. <laughs> like Jesus it's gonna told be offensive us, it was going to be offensive. Like because it's hey guys, you know in 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 your core that there's bad stuff you do, whether you want to say that it's a deep part of you or not that's neither here nor there right now but we all know we all have a conscience right no matter how seared it may be there are moments where we hear it even in the midst of some of the darkest times often in the midst of the darkest times right when things are when the wheels are falling off because you know we pulled a a dorian gray Mm -hmm. and we're fooling around in in ways that we were never intended to say the guy in first corinthians 5 doing his stepmom um but you know you guys it's it's not about focusing on the sin. It's about focusing on the Lord. And as we focus on the Lord, the sin becomes less and less a thing. Right. 
it goes back to saying you can't do it by you can't do it on your own power you may want you may want to get rid of it and you want good tensions I, I don't want to do this anymore but you can't do it on your own power you know no matter how much our heart hard we try we we try but we need the him him in our lives keeping our eyes on him knowing who he is and what he's given us then the overcoming starts mhm because you're no longer focused on you you're no longer forced, focused on what you're doing wrong you're focused on him you're focused on love and what you focus on gets bigger i don't know if you guys have noticed that <laughs> but when we focus on something we give it more power in us we magnify it ooh there's there's a word in it yeah because that's what worship is about it's about magnifying something whether it be ourselves whether it be something that we like or whether it be the lord we're always going to be worshiping something that's a that's something to chew on ain't it and mm. we become like that which we worship right. that which we serve yeah because after all in greek at least and even to some extent in not sorry in hebrew and some, and in some extent greek but definitely in hebrew the idea of service is intricately tied with the idea of worship yeah um yeah i i can't remember the the word in hebrew off the top of my head um that is often translated as worship mm-hmm. um but yeah anyway i don't want to go off in the weeds there the the point is that love should be our primary deciding factor for the things that we do. Mhm. I mean, you go back to what Jesus said. What are the what are the two things on which the decalogue hang? Love the Lord love your God, God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Because we show that we love God by loving our neighbor. Neighbor. So if you know that if you know that there are things in common foods that shouldn't be there maybe you should think about not eating them because in many whether it be mm-hmm. fast food whether it be pr- most processed food um there are things that are derived from aborted babies uh-oh yep, getting to that there. topic went mm-hmm. there um and and the companies that put these things in the food the 
the people behind it just sort of laugh at us. Because we, we conservatives who perhaps, you know, perhaps we're truthers, whatever the heck that actually means. Um, <laughs> I think that people that tell the truth, that desire truth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those of us who are truthers who are aware of these things, yet these products, these... Um, Burgers, these sodas are still hyper popular, even amongst those of us who are aware. So they laugh at us because, well, we're eating ourselves essentially. Soylent green is people. Uh oh. So be aware, guys. And if yeah. you have a problem with cannibalism, and I don't think of any sane person who doesn't, but, you know, it it is what it is. Um, <laughs> if you have an issue with cannibalism, personally, if that bothers you, then maybe stop eating these things. Stop drinking Coke. Stop drinking Pepsi. And their associated products. Because a lot of the flavor enhancers are based on um, kidney cells from aborted babies. Uh-oh. Anyway, but yeah. Um, be careful, guys. That's all I'm saying. And if you're going to take a pro-life stance, and by all means, study. Do it. Yeah. Do it. But if you're going to take a pro-life stance, be through thoroughgoing. Be consistent. Don't partake in these products that have elements in them that are essentially cannibalistic. Um, yeah. Be aware be careful after all mm -hmm. what what does it say in second peter our our enemy the devil prowls around like mm -hmm. a, a roaring lion seeking, seeking for those it he may devour and in ecclesia we have a better chance of withstanding that because it's smaller because it's close-knit so when there's something that seems off you're in the kind of relationship where somebody can just speak into you where in most cases in larger churches that doesn't exist because it's all about well it's all about control and it it's so ironic for me going through fuller again and knowing knowing the things that i've looked at over the last few years since i came across omega kingdom ministry um i'm like you guys 
really have no idea. Like the most of the most of my classmates are beautiful people. They're wonderful. But they're they're learning how to control. They're learning how to manipulate. Ostensibly for good purposes, right? Like it's promoting morality. It's promoting all good things. But ultimately it's about the pastor more or less replacing the Holy Spirit. Oof. And that's not something we're meant to do. No. We can't. So there should never be a time, like once you're mature at all in the Lord, there should never be a time when you're stopped from doing something because of, well, what might my pastor say if he found out? <laughs> what it should be, like the bottom line needs to be, okay, is what I'm about to do going to hurt God's heart? Right. Could it hurt somebody else in the community? If the answer is yes, then run. Don't engage in that thing. Whatever it happens to be. And if you're in a place where you're not strong enough to run, know that there's always grace. Know that there's always forgiveness. Let the, let the shame that pops up drive you into the arms of the Lord, not right. away from him. Not away, not into anything that could cause you harm or death. So, love is the bottom line, guys. If something you're looking at doing isn't loving toward yourself or towards somebody else, don't do it. That's the ethic here. And morality ultimately comes down to that. And anybody who tells you differently, don't listen. <laughs> they're, they're trying to control you. And this can be misused as well. Because many of us, many of us have a tendency toward being rather codependent. So, and that's where, you know, being too concerned with what somebody else might say or might do because, oh, I, I did this thing and I'm bad. No, 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 no. No, you are not bad. The action was. You are not bad. The thought was. And the thought probably didn't come from you originally. Whether it was from something that you watched in a TV show, a YouTube video, uh, you know, fill in the blank, or just an intrusive thought that isn't loving. Okay. 
the bottom, like, okay, let me, let me gently brush on this one. When it comes to pornography, when it comes to lust, the bottom line here is most of the time those thoughts don't originate from us. I call it getting slimed. I've struggled with it. I call it getting slimed because I like, I'll be in the midst of something else. And just this overwhelming thought hits me and I'm like, well, that's nasty, (laughs) but yeah, like I know myself and I know the Lord well enough that I know that that wasn't from my heart. That did not originate from my spirit or from him. Therefore, I can I can do a better job of ignoring it. And it's not about me. It's an attack. Maybe I'm talking to you. <laughs> like, it's... And there's been such shame put on that. And, you know, some of it has originated from other passages that we were, that we thought about talking about today. Um, first Corinthians six and seven, where Paul's like, look, I wish all of you could be as I am. In other words, single celibate, because that would be better for the kingdom. But if you have Say you're in these urges. If, if you, you have, have these, these urges, urges, if you're burning, married, don't get married, get married, yeah. and handle it. Consummate the marriage. Exactly. <laughs> Focus. It. Yeah. But Women, yes. you should have one man. Men, you should have Men one should woman. Have one woman. Period. And because when you are ha- when you're together, you are one. And when you, you are, are when you are married. Don't just randomly withhold. It needs to be an agreement. And it shouldn't be long-term either. Because that's going to lead to problems for one or both of you. And, you know, it's it can be challenging when you're married and you have especially young kids. But you know, exhaustion, headaches. Who, who hasn't heard those jokes, right? Um, <laughs> but it, for real, I've been married 10 years, guys. It's, it's a thing. And it's not that most of the time there's a lack of interest or a lack of desire it's just it's been a long day and i don't have the speaking for myself and i don't have the energy in myself to give what i feel like she deserves in the moment so we don't that's not what paul's talking about here (laughs) paul's paul's saying look guys if you've agreed to fast and pray then fast and pray. Right. 
and then come back together so that the, so the enemy can't screw with you can't wheedle his way in like a fox spoiling the vines mm-hmm. so yeah um be if you're gonna get married get married And be faithful to your spouse. Right. That's that's the crux of this thing. And maybe maybe you have issues with the institution of marriage. Maybe you've seen too many marriages fall apart. I've certainly seen my share. But, but even with that. You cannot choose to live in fear because that's ultimately what that comes down to. It's, I don't want that for myself. I don't want to go through that. So I'm good. I'm just going to avoid it. And usually when people choose to avoid it for too long, they wind up going down a really dark path because what was the first thing that God told Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful and multiply. And I'll just share them here. Multiply. And I'll just share right here uh, because I've shared this with Matt too. I mean, I'm a single guy, uh, 31 years old now, and you, it's a, it's just that path, you know, like asking the question, is it worth it? Um, well, it goes, and I continue going back to what Paul is talking about here because if you're single, don't pursue, uh, don't pursue it, don't, don't seek it out. And if you're married, don't seek out to be single, but, you know, and, and all these things because if basically it's saying if Paul, Paul is saying. If you're single, and if it happens, it happens. If you if you find someone you want to spend your life with, then and you urges, get married. You haven't sinned. This because God designed it. He designed it for that. Uh, but, but what I'm struggling, what I'm saying is because I use that excuse, you know, that fear, thinking, is it worth it? Many people we've had. It just seemed like now it's a burden, or it just seems like we have too. We have a lot more divorces than uh back then because people don't know how to fight for their marriage or work it out talk communicate and all these other things or we just go by our emotions say i don't want to do this anymore and it's heartbreaking and it's and so matt encouraged me what he just said here he encouraged me with that as well you, you we can't afford to live like that and you choose your path right it's like it's ultimately about what you want from your life. It's not about oh well I've I've seen say your parents marriage fell apart. That's not a no matter how acrimonious that was. That's not a good enough reason to not get married in and of itself. Now, if you legitimately feel called to a life of cel- of celibacy, more power to you. Right. That'll give you more time to focus on the Lord. But most people are not in that category. Jesus even said it because the disciples had that question. With all this you, that you're talking about, is it best not to be married? Like, and he said, he said, not all people are called to this. Not everyone's called to this. Because some were either born eunuchs some were made so uh you know force whatever but you know uh but it's what they're called to if you're called to marry you haven't sinned marry and, and in fact and you're fulfilling your, your call if you were called to marry right yeah and because you're and and live 
and let your marriage be that light. Absolutely. So, you guys... In most cases, I would say get married. Because... Like... I have to brag on my wife a bit. She's amazing. <laughs> um, Caleb knows to some extent. <laughs> um, like... She has helped me so much in the last 10 years. She's been so... She's been such a consistent source of grace for me. And I haven't always been easy to live with. I'm pretty quirky, if you guys couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> I have my issues. But she deals with them in very graceful ways most of the time. Now, early on, it was a little difficult. A little more difficult, probably. Um, just because she was still getting to know me. We only dated for six months, guys. Oh, so you're that couple. <laughs> yes, we were that couple. Um, and, you know, there's nothing saying that it has to be this three-year betrothal period. In fact, that's probably not a good idea for most people because you're going to wind up doing the do before you're supposed to if you go that long now given my my last relationship before Ruth we were together two and a half years more than two and a half almost three and we never did anything so if there's dedication on both sides and you're both fighting for that purity. Fine. That's not the case for most people. <laughs> you're you're going to be burning. You're going to have those issues. And that's why I'm like, look, especially if you've known the person for a few years as a friend beforehand, you don't need a long period. I, Ruth and I didn't know each other that long. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Like, we we knew each other for about three months before we started dating. I'm not saying that that's the right um, formula for anybody. I've seen I've seen marriages go 50, 60 years in that sort of in that sort of scenario. But I've also seen people not last a year. So it's it's all about what you put into it. If you are dedicated to it, if you decide that divorce is not the way, and that's never going to be the way, that option is never on the table, then you'll go. You'll go the distance. You'll work it out. It's your choice. Yeah, I could preach on that. Um, because you guys, I hate divorce. I feel like the Lord hates divorce. Yeah, he hates it. He never now, designed it. He has allowed for it. But even, even in this 
segment in first Corinthians, Paul's like, look, if you, if somebody gets divorced, they're not supposed to get remarried unless it's to that person that they got divorced from. Is that just a contextual thing? I don't know. Because I mean, we do live in, a, you know, there, there's a leader that Ruth and I like, uh, Kevin Zadai, who was basically kicked out of uh, one of the one of the Pentecostal churches it connected with the Hagans because it because he wasn't allowed to be a minister though he had a PhD from Rama has a PhD from Rama because he married a divorced woman. Like, this guy clearly hears from the Lord. Like, it's abundantly obvious. He has amazing, almost Pauline um, encounters. You know, whether in the body or out, I don't know. But on the day of the Lord, you know, that that formula, it shows up two or three times throughout his letters. And... This guy has major encounters. So obviously the Lord is not bothered by that. <laughs> obviously. So, so let's so let's talk so let's talk about like okay briefly because uh, again we don't want to uh, drag it out uh, and we want to try to keep time up but let's talk about that. Re- let's really think think about what was going on in Corinth. We know that it was a, a Greek city and a place basically that sexual perversion was a thing. We were talking mm-hmm. about that, you know, they were everyone was pretty much involved with it. Okay, everybody. So when the gospel came in, the Holy Spirit was encountered and the Holy Spirit was ministering, people were getting set free, baptized. But again, the it's like with Egypt with the Israelites. Israel escaped Egypt, but the Egypt was still with them. So in the same way, there was still that perversion there. They they were still trying to overcome or you know, shake up shake up whatever it is, it was still bad. It was bad. It was need. This needed to be addressed and nipped in the bud. Um. So there needed to be order. Mm-hmm. There needed to be structure. Because so Corinth this is what. Because again, Paul says, yeah. Because <laughs> because Paul did say that. Hey, I have a message for you, and because this is from the Lord. If you are if you're married and divorced, don't remarry. Because he's he was he's trying to get these people that you need to just now if you're divorced. You need to keep now your eye, unless you want to remarry the person and want to do better and, and and glorify your marriage to the Lord. Great, but you need now. Our focus needs to be on Him. So again, I would argue, and again, this I'm always wanting to learn something from the Lord, if, if, if whatnot. But the, God was trying to bring order to this chaos, mm-hmm. and this is, was the way to do it. And you know. When Paul talks about marriage, and he says it himself, this is not a command from the Lord. This is this is me. So take it with a grain of salt. But now we have accepted that this letter belongs in our canon. That this letter is scripture. At the same level as the Torah. Mm-hmm. That's what 
the canon means, guys. It, all these books, the 66 that we have at least, <laughs> um, but the 66 we have at least are really God's word, right? However tweaked, however edited, you know, that's neither here nor there. We accept it for what it is right now. So that means that Paul's admonitions, Paul's exhortations to these different churches, to these, sorry, different ecclesia, because did not use the word church. Church is a, it's, it's a construct. Yeah. Um, and this and is not, we're, at least we're not supposed to be a construct. This was a an adaptation of something that existed already. Mm -hmm. Remember, ecclesia, it in Greek or Roman times, which you know we're talking about the first century here. It was a group of sent ones from Rome to recreate Rome in a new area. So. If we see ourselves as sent ones or apostles, uh-oh, there's that label. Uh-oh. <laughs> you guys, I, if you guys couldn't tell, I'm not much for labels. I, I can't stand them, actually. Because... And really, we're not... Again, because labels tend to corrupt. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm Apostle Caleb. I'm Prophet Caleb. No, 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 no live it let it be real and people will recognize you mm -hmm. well there's one prophet that uh that a lot of people called uh, him a prophet um but he doesn't call himself a prophet but he basically said that i like how he said it oh people see me as a prophet there's nothing really much i can do about it but i, I don't call myself that but if people see that there's really nothing i can do about it <laughs> so um <laughs> that's the same attitude that we should have right now, people see me as a teacher. I don't see myself as a teacher, but if they call me rabbi or teacher. There's really nothing much I can do about that. <laughs> so, All right. If you want to follow, kind of like with Jesus. Me. So I mean, because even because what, what did Jesus say about you know don't call someone father, don't someone call you know all this, but people kept calling him rabbi. Mm-hmm. Because he, he wasn't rabbi. He, he, they, that was his spirit. But he never he never condemned them. But he never go around saying oh you, if someone just called him Jesus like hey. That's Rabbi Jesus to you. No. He, That's he, Rabbi Yeshua to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the Pharisees did. You're right. Hey. Like all that's this Rabbi to you. <laughs> or or pastor. Or bishop. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. A bishop no. was an overseer. No. That's it. A pastor of pastors. And it wasn't this it like it became like, I've been studying church history the last, I don't know, almost nine months again. Okay. So it was originally very loosey-goosey. It was this very, it, think of it like, like a confederacy. Uh-oh. <laughs> but there was not this st strong central thing in the early church. It didn't exist. 
there was not a pope until like at least the second century. Mm. Rome didn't become a thing in terms of Christian practice. Catholicism, right. It did not become a thing until the third century, really. Like there was, because up until then, all the, all the bishops were considered equal. Which is very much the way that the, the Orthodox are now. Like if you're, if you're a bishop, if you're an archbishop, if you're, you know, whatever in the, in the hierarchy, a patriarch, because that's what they call their, their sort of bishops of bishops. Okay. And even that's too structured, but they, the, the patriarchs in orthodoxy, we're talking Greek, Russian, Egyptian, you know, whatever. The, the segments that were more Eastern, okay, that got cut off in 1054, mm -hmm. um, over iconography, actually, which is in part that I'm not going to go into those weeds. Um, but the bottom line here is that there is no one leader in orthodoxy. It's not like in Catholicism where you have the Pope. Right. Major areas have leaders and they're all considered peers because there's more space for the Holy Spirit. Oh. Hmm. So when there's more space for the Holy Spirit, it's going to be more democratic. It's just how it happens. Because the Holy Spirit, if you haven't noticed, is poured out on all of us. Right? Right. Joel 2. And because of that, our young men dream dreams, our old men have visions, etc. We're all able to hear from the Lord. And we, we shouldn't need a teacher anymore because we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But yet the church says, oh, you need a pastor. Huh? I mean, there's something to be said for tradition. There's something to be said for the things that are genuinely of God that were worked through by these giants whom on whose shoulders we stand the Athanasiuses, the augustans the you know fill in these great early fathers of the church and i would consider them in the lineage of ecclesia as well like these are important figures not that we need to venerate them as the Catholics and the Orthodox do, right. but 
We can learn from them. We can, we can learn from them. Inspired, and inspired, be inspired and learn from the mistakes, learn from the pros and all. all that. That's the whole point of these stories that we have in the Bible. Yeah, these people were called by the Father, but again, they had issues. But we can learn from their issues and learn from their obedience and how the Lord had blessed them through their obedience. I mean, um, you, you look at at least the much of the surviving writings of people like Tertullian in the in the late second early third century that dude was rough brilliant but rough like what we have of his writing was polemic it was mm. fighting against something that he didn't agree with so it's very intense very intense um because that was the style you if you felt like somebody was being heretical you just went balls to the wall for lack of a better way to put it you you went all out to try to make sure that people weren't following them because they understood that they were in error it wasn't this oh well let's just get together though actually that should have been more what it was but it wasn't right right like, again that was right, that right, was a problem yeah. i'm not saying that we should because we've talked about this in the past and the point of this show is not to sit here and snipe at specific leaders no or even at the institution of the church itself the point is to give an alternative one that's based in love like we were like we were saying at the beginning of today if what you're doing is not loving check yourself check yourself and have the holy spirit convict you seek him so that he can show you okay this is the issue fix it mm -hmm. so everybody had help allow allow me the holy spirit to help you to intercede for you to change you mold you see it so that you can repent and then move forward allow me to guide you mm-hmm so, just yeah. reading devotion that we need to constantly seek have the helper because that's what the whole point of the holy spirit so that we can go in the way that we should go the way he wants us to so that we can keep our eyes on jesus so we know what the true purpose is and this is a reminder for me for matt always everybody so we all everybody. need this like it's so easy to get caught up in our opinions in and the business busy busy and yeah and all that yeah it's so easy but when we take it back to the root when we take it back to okay what's holy spirit doing right now what's he what's he telling what's he speaking to me about through the scriptures what's he showing me about current events mm -hmm. and always weigh it always weigh it because every once in a while, there'll be one of those stray thoughts that seems like a God thought, but it's not. And that's where, for lack of a better way to put it, heresy comes in. I, mm. I'm coming to really dislike that term because as much as we need to know what good teaching is, if we're yeah if we're ultimately in fellowship with the holy spirit 
we're going to know if somebody's stringing us along or not because we'll mm-hmm. have discernment. That's not something that's taught in most churches. You're taught, this is, this is what we believe. And as long as you fit in this box, you're welcome here. And you're really saved. No. That's not how this is supposed to work. We're all supposed to have the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to have a vital relationship with the entire Trinity. And I'll quote this verse. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning, constantly remember who who your relationship is with. The one who can take your both body and soul. Don't fear the one who can take your uh, body, but fear the one who can take your both. And again, and not trying to put the fear in when we, we we've addressed this, the fear as in the the reverence, awe, the awe of him of who he is, the the creator who created everything, just in awe and just in worship and just knowing who in comparing who who we are, we're nothing, we are nothing. Yet he called he has called us to him. And so that kind of fear and and trembling not, in sense you are constantly walking yeah 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 no no <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here after all the the end of the christian walk is supposed to be <clears throat> what unity with god it's supposed mm-hmm. to be communion with him so how can we commune with somebody that we're terrified of how does that that's have anything to do with love no, yeah. So if love is supposed to be our our hallmark, see First John. Um, if love is supposed to be our hallmark, if love is supposed to be how the world knows that we are different from them, then there's something wrong when that isn't shown, right? When we come across as judgy when we come across as condemning like in I want to say it's chapter 7 or no it's 5 6 because 1 Corinthians 6 is about lawsuits among, among believers and how Paul's like look if you guys are having issues amongst yourselves keep it in house if you possibly can don't you know that we're supposed to be judging the angels at the end? Mm. And if that's the case, then um, how can we not judge amongst ourselves? And mm. by the way, guys, we're not supposed to be judging the world. That's God's we're job. Supposed to be judging. We're supposed to be judging each each other in this in, in the sense of, of like you know addressing things that are not of the Father, like certain sins that we allow. You know, creeping in, you know, where if we're going into, you know, far out left and we need to be on the center in the, in the sense of keeping Jesus in the center of our lives, you know, that those kind of things. And people like to say, no, you're not supposed to judge me. You don't know me. You're, you're right. I'm still getting to know you. I'm still going what describes you. But I'm and, trying to tell you what truth with his truth. And we're trying to give, give you all this and try to see 
where your mindset is. And the, and the judging isn't so much a, a moralistic thing. Because ultimately that destroys relationship, doesn't it? It right. should be coming from a place of love, not a place of, I know better than you. Because um, that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. We want to be different from that, right? Right. Like, we can come off strong sometimes. We can come off judgy. We can come off preachy. Lord knows I do. Um, but the, the point here is coming from below. Like, okay, I may not know your situation that well. But I'm seeing an issue in how you're walking right now. Right. I'm sure that I'm missing something. But this attitude this action doesn't seem to make sense with you claiming the name of jesus right are you working on this can i help you i may not be able to but i want to come alongside you not be the the authority the judge the you know gavel wig robes judge no 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 that's not the point here it the the judgment is dividing truth from not truth and sometimes that's going to be harsh because often after all what it's stated in the new testament in paul i believe i can't remember exactly where but the idea is that love love had a has a tendency to be kind of Okay, let's let's just go along with this. Truth, truth on its own, will destroy. It's brutal, right. right? Like a parent, like a parent's discipline on their child that they're misbehaving. Truth, is, you're gonna face the consequences if you so, just <laughs> so. Love and truth need to balance each be other. Be hand yeah. in glove. Yeah. They need to be hand in glove so that when, so that in the context of a relationship, you're able to correct and someone's not just going to take offense because just coming, walking up to somebody who you really don't know and saying, you're a sinner. Well, you may be right, but how are they going to receive that? Yeah. Whereas if you've built a relationship with them and it's not based on some moral code, okay, genuine relationship, then we'll be able to speak into each other's lives. And there's always give and take. That's what relationship is, right? It's mm -hmm. not somebody's always the authority. After all, we're not, we're not supposed to need teachers, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit. But we're not mature yet. So we do need coaches. We need people to come alongside us and correct us when we're off base. Disciple. That's part exactly. of the teaching. It's discipling. So bringing this back to 1 Corinthians 10, 
<laughs> and landing this plane because we've gone long today. <laughs> um, the bottom line with table fellowship, with relationship, is that it needs to be based in love. We need yeah. to be seeking to operate lovingly toward one another. Not, I have freedom so I can do whatever I want. Well, you can, but if that's going to hurt somebody who's weaker than you are. Should you exercise it? Should you? And Paul's answer is no. Paul says, don't do that. It ain't worth it. Because if you offend somebody enough, they're probably going to fall away. And, you know, that's not to say that um, a blow from a friend shouldn't be more tr more welcome than a multitude of kisses from an enemy. Going Proverbs here. <laughs> because a wise person will be open to rebuke, will be open to correction, because they know that they don't have it all. The fool does the opposite. They run their mouth, and they never ask for advice. I'll never they... forget one thing that I learned, and that um, uh, it basically goes with that. Um, a minister from in in Washington that it's all about the uh, supernatural and how, how getting up and continue moving forward. He says it like this: Oh, you know, a righteous man. The, the, for, for, if you're falling down, a righteous man. No, no, excuse me. I think you put it in this order. A wicked man stays down, but a righteous man will get up and move. The, the, uh, that's also from Proverbs. Right. Well, um, I think that's what's inspired. Yeah. But yeah. The, the idea there was in, in the face of calamity, a, a righteous man, a wise man, will be able to get up and dust himself off after something bad happens many times because bad things always happen yeah <laughs> look at the world right now um <clears throat> all sorts of bad stuff so but the wicked man when calamity strikes is stuck they're done they have nothing they don't have the resources to put the pieces back together again. So, which one sounds like a better thing? Would you rather be the wise person who can, who is resilient? Because they see the patterns and can start to correct them. Or would you rather be the fool who just blithely run straight into calamity and then oh uh, 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 uh. i think i'd rather be the former and the bottom line is love well wisdom is rooted in love it's all about relationship with him mm -hmm. and when we are in relationship with with the lord 
when we are walking with him actively, we'll be able to recognize patterns in our lives and the lives of others. And we can go, hey, um, you're headed toward problems. And because you're in loving relationship with the person, they'll probably receive it. Not always. Because there's no, there's no accounting for how foolish somebody might be, right? But you will have done your best. And you'll know when you're dealing with somebody who can be corrected versus somebody who can't. Because the, some, because the one who can be corrected will actually seek it. I'll be like, I'm struggling. Can you help me out? And actually mean it. Sometimes mm -hmm. the fool will do that, but they're, I, I digress. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it's, I think I know best and um, I'm going to keep going with, with what I feel like I should be doing instead mm -hmm. of correcting course. So, yeah, guys, it loves the bottom line. If what you're doing isn't loving, stop it. And that's what Caleb and I want you to take away from this long episode. Because as much as there's a bunch of morality, a bunch of advice from Paul that we were thinking about covering between 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. And we touched on most of it. Ultimately, that's just advice. That's not thou shalt or thou shalt not level Take everything stuff. that we've given. Take everything we've given. Now bring it to the Father. Bring it to the Father and have him guide you in the way that you should go. As we should all do. Because again, so you can understand what was going going on back then. Okay, and now in, the, in this society that we live in. Okay, how how we live the way you, you're calling us. So take, mm -hmm. everything, take everything captive. Bring everything to the throne room. Bring it to your one-on-one -on -one time with him. And let him guide you. Mm-hmm. That's all part of it. It's all part of the growth. That's the key. That's the key to growth. If you want to grow, if you want to become more than you are, if you want to get closer to the Lord, if you want to become stronger, this is how. Mm -hmm. You learn to live loved. And you learn to share that love with others. You learn to operate in grace. Which, I don't know if you guys know, but grace is undeserved favor. Unmerited love. That's what grace is. <laughs> it's love we don't deserve. It's close kin with mercy. So... When we talk about grace, we're talking about love. When we're talking about mercy, we're talking about love. It's just slightly different clothes, more or less. 
Because ultimately love isn't about whether the recipient of the love deserves it or not. And I think that's a good place to land the plane. <laughs> good discussion, man. It was really, really mm -hmm. good. I think, yeah, we covered a lot. And again, again, guys, I hope you were um, blessed with this message. And who knows? We might. We, and, and again, the whole point of Ecclesia is addressing these kind of issues and asking, okay, what was going on? How do we apply it? And what, how, Jesus, what do you want us to do when we when we read these? How do we apply it? Um, but no, I think we'll talk more about other things as well. Maybe we'll, we'll go back. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll reach out and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, and. Thanks for joining us here in the Outpouring Ecclesia. Uh, Thank you. You can always follow us on Rumble. You can find shorts that Caleb produces about Ecclesia on his YouTube channel. Um, you can listen on any podcast app or uh, find us on our website, outpouringecclesia.org, which also gives you the opportunity to listen to the podcast. Um, and reach out to us. You could email us directly or you can fill out the contact form at the bottom. Um, you can also learn a little bit about myself and Caleb on the website. Um, you can reach out to us, reach out to me on Telegram uh, at Matthews76. On Truth Social, we've got at Outpouring Ecclesia. And on Instagram, you can reach out to Caleb. Uh, Caleb Meal. You can email us, like I said, Matthew at outpouringacacia.org, Caleb at outpouringacacia.org. The music, as always, is Indie Folk Background by Caleb Productions. Thank you so much once again, and we will be with you next week, I think. Yep. Lord willing. Shalom, shalom, everyone.